0: This time, we're taking a bite-sized look at Terminator Dark Fate. And along the way we ask, can this film re-energize this beloved franchise? Would you be willing to augment yourself to save the future? And just how terrifying is the Rev-9? Let's stick our phones in a bag and discuss drapery options in this edition of Force-Fed Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Force-Fed Sci-Fi Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Chris Rupp. Uh, Sean is not with us today. He is off on adventures, but today, once again, I am joined by our friend and producer, the graceful Jeremy Kesky. (laughs) Oh, very punny for today's episode. I couldn't think
1: of anything else.
0: (laughs) Well, as we mentioned at the top of the show, and we have mentioned in uh, previous weeks, we are... Taking a look at the new film Terminator Dark Fate which Jeremy and I saw the other night.
1: Yes, uh Thursday night the first night it was in theaters. We uh we went and saw it in IMAX. Yes. I I love
0: IMAX seeing films in IMAX. I think it's a great option for seeing any film. See, for me
1: I it doesn't make too much of a difference. I mean, I I I like it, but for the extra money I could do without it.
0: Yeah. I mean, for certain movies it should be saved like uh, I I think one of the last imax films i saw was uh christopher nolan's dunkirk
1: i still haven't seen that that's a great movie and it's even greater in imax yeah i do have an appointment to to eventually watch that amongst the your list is probably a mile long right now (laughs) yeah with with all the time that i have all right so before we provide a uh,
0: plot synopsis uh feel remiss if we didn't provide a spoiler warning for today's episode being that dark fate is a newer release if you are interested in keeping it spoiler-free, suggest you pause here, go back and listen to one of our episodes covering either the Terminator or Terminator 2 Judgment Day, or just go see Dark Fate. It's a, it's a good movie, but here is a quick plot breakdown. So, Dark Fate is set 25 years after the events of Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and we're introduced to Grace, an augmented soldier from the future as she's sent back in time to protect a young woman by the name of Danny Ramos, who holds the key to the future. It's not exactly clear who she is right away in the plot of the film, but we do find out as we get further and further along who she is. And as Grace and Danny battle against a brand new, more lethal Terminator named a Rev-9, they run into Sarah Connor, who agrees to protect Danny along with an aging T-800, as they learn that there is no fate but what they make. Ooh. I always like to end the synopsis with something like that. <laughs> of course, I don't have the uh, the movie trailer guy voice. Oh, you don't? I could, but it would just ruin my throat. <laughs> so let's uh, quickly break down the cast and crew of Dark Fate.
1: Yes, uh, we uh, have probably the most prominent characters, uh, Lyndall Hamilton's uh, Sarah Connor, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, she returns. She was... Uh, Her most recent entry in the franchise was uh, Terminator Salvation. She was uncredited as the voice of Sarah Connor as John is playing tapes in the future.
1: Which doesn't count in my book.
0: No, if you're not credited, it doesn't count really. (laughs) So yeah, no, she came back. Uh, We have Arnold Schwarzenegger once again reprising his role as the T-800, which to his credit, he is able to play a different iteration of that same cyborg in every single film. So he was... And, uh, we'll we'll get into how great he was this time around.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of detail that we'll we'll have a decent conversation about that. And then we have uh, uh, Mackenzie Davis, who I'm I'm actually not too familiar with. She uh, she's Grace. She's the augmented soldier that is sent back to protect Danny, who uh, was played by Natalia Reyes. Natalia Reyes. There we go.
0: She makes yeah. This is I think this is her big time Hollywood debut because I couldn't. She's from Colombia. I couldn't find anything big. I did find some several Spanish language television shows, but nothing on this scale.
1: Yeah, I I wasn't too familiar with her. But uh M- Macken- going back to Mackenzie Davis. Wasn't isn't she in like Black Mirror or something? She
0: was on the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror, which oh, okay. is one
1: of my favorites in the series. So just one episode she was featured in. Yeah, on?
0: but she also she's uh, appeared in films like The Martian and Blade Runner 2049.
1: Oh, that's right. She was in The Martian. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, she
0: was also on uh, AMC's halt and Catch Fire for the 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 time of that show. I think she was on something like forty episodes. Hmm, I I haven't seen that. I don't know. I just keep waiting for her to break through and her to become a household name because she is a very talented actress. Yeah, and I do like her in everything she's been in.
1: Yeah, and I think we'll talk a little bit about her too. But yeah, I agree. I I think she in this film she did a pretty good job.
0: And then rounding out the cast as the Rev Nine, we get Gabriel Luna.
1: Yes. Who is uh,
0: his prior big time credit was? Uh, he appeared as the Robbie Reyes iteration of uh, Ghost Rider on Marvel's Agents of Shield.
1: Yes, I was a fan of him in that uh, in that series. I think he's only in nine episodes or something like that, but he did a very great job uh, portraying uh, the Ghost Rider in that series. He was great
0: in Dark Fate, and we'll get into just how good he is. Yeah,
1: I. The characters are definitely a bright point in this film, and I think that uh, that deserves a pretty good conversation that we'll have for, for each of these.
0: Well, these aren't cookie-cutter characters anymore.
1: No. I mean, they, they feel different
0: in their own way, much like how the first Terminator film was and how Judgment Day was. And before we get into the film, let's just quickly discuss some pre-production notes here. So there were actually two prior attempts to develop a new trilogy of films with Salvation and Genesis, but... Those plans were scrapped for both films after they were commercial and critical flops. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. So after the disappointment of Genesis, which again is not a terrible film, but it's it's complicated for its own reasons. One being that the time travel elements are just so crisscrossy that it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I mentioned this off air that they were trying to do with Genesis what X-Men First Class did with that franchise trying to bridge a new series of films with an old series of films.
1: And Genesis just did not work. Yeah, still haven't seen it. Um, With all the bad talk I've heard from you and Sean, I don't know. Uh, Eventually I'll watch it, but uh, definitely not on my priority list right now. Let's just
0: say you won't lose any sleep if you don't see it. (laughs) Um, After Genesis, though, James Cameron was recruited to produce a sequel. And the idea of making Dark Fate a direct sequel to Judgment Day was his. I don't know, either it was his own vanity or it was something that just made sense storyline wise. And he only agreed to produce it if Arnold Schwarzenegger was involved. I mean, they're they're friends in real life and they've been working together for decades. So it's impossible to make a Terminator movie without Arnold involved in some way.
1: Yeah, I think that was a good choice. Um and we'll maybe we'll talk about a little later going forward what's gonna happen with Arnold. Um but yeah, for this one it was it was a good sign that Uh, James Cameron and Arnold were able to uh, team up again for for another one.
0: Absolutely. And Tim Miller, who's previously known for directing the first Deadpool film, he came on board in 2016 when he left um, the director's role for Deadpool 2, which was still a great movie. And I feel like it would have been maybe without Miller's involvement, but it's impossible to know now but he brings a lot of experience on how to direct an action film to the table. And of course, having somebody like James Cameron on board as a producer and as a story supervisor, it just can only improve your film by leaps and bounds. Yeah, definitely. Um, and there was a massive team of writers that were brought in to come up with ways to reinvent the franchise. And one of them was being to introduce a female in ta- uh, protagonist who is half human and half machine. They also simplified a lot of the time travel storylines as, a. Uh, like I mentioned, some of these were getting too complicated, especially in Genesis. John Connor was also removed from the story to kind of make room for newer characters. And this is something you see all the time in television shows. I mean, The Walking Dead's been doing it for 10 years. Game of Thrones killed off characters like every four episodes, it seemed like.
1: Yeah, so that's a, that's a kind of a major criticism, at least what I've been reading initial uh, reviews online. Right away, the, this film kills John Connor off. Yeah. The hero that we've known from the first two Terminator films is not the hero anymore.
0: Yeah, that prologue, I think it, it it's meant to introduce us right away that this isn't the same Terminator films that we've seen in the past.
1: It definitely gives us that idea. It's just, I think for me and for other audience members, I don't know why it's being so criticized, but I think it just comes as a big shock.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you there. I mean, I was definitely shocked when they decided to just kill him off right away and of course i mean besides the fact that it is you know a 14 year old child being shot in the chest with a shotgun i mean it's shocking for other reasons besides the fact that this is how they chose to open the movie right but we see sarah in a a d-aged i guess body double with linda hamilton thrown in there and again she's just she's just dealt with so much loss in her past i mean the death of you know John's father Kyle Reese and everything they went through to get to where they were and for 3 years be comfortable with the fact that they stopped judgment day and then a T800 shows up and just and destroys that notion
1: right she's very damaged now if you can only imagine you know that emotional state that she's in yeah
0: and she has the great line in the movie of I hunt Terminators and I
1: drink every night until I black out. Right, she's she's damaged now. But we can really praise Linda Hamilton's portrayal of Sarah Connor in this film.
0: Yes, it, this is Linda Hamilton A and Linda Hamilton B from Judgment Day
1: to Dark Fate. It's two iterations of badassery that cannot be overstated. Yeah, that that's perfect. I mean, Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor in this film is just badass.
0: And I read that if Tim Miller just went and pitched Linda Hamilton multiple pages of why she should come back to play the role. And he, he said that there was no backup plan if she, if she didn't agree to come back.
1: Oh, wow. So then it wouldn't have happened.
0: And in a lot of ways, she's the emotional core of the film because she remembers a timeline that now doesn't exist, that now can't exist based on what happened with her son and the actions
1: they, um, they undertook in Judgment Day.
0: She remembers all of this.
1: Right, right. Maybe to piggyback off of that, there might be some audience members that won't like this film because of that. And Danny is the one that we're going to be, that needs to be saved in this film, essentially.
0: Yeah. Danny is the leader of the resistance. It's not some child she will give birth to. She is,
1: full stop. Yeah. It took a while to get to that point. I, I, you know, you think it's. Sarah Connor keeps saying, oh, you're going to have the child that's going to save the human race. And Grace kind of keeps quiet. She doesn't say anything. And eventually, it takes a while, but it comes out that Danny is the one that is the leader of the resistance in this in this scenario. I kind of figured
0: it out early on in the film when Grace has that line of, you know, always the maverick or something along those lines, what she said. And it's like, well, how would she know what Danny is like if Danny isn't alive or you know is just the mother of the human resistance leader yeah i kind of had a feeling like okay grace knows danny she has to in this timeline and for her to say a line like that like always the maverick are always making a dangerous choice she has to know something personal about danny in the future she comes from that
1: would make sense yeah
0: and more to what you were saying about how fans you know might be disappointed with this film this Dark Fate is just permeated with so much nostalgia from previous films. If you give it any deeper thought, there's almost minute by minute something that reminds you of a pr- prior film.
1: Yeah, there's there is a lot of nostalgia. I think you you kind of have an issue with how much there is. I actually didn't mind it. Maybe maybe it's had much but not not too bad in my opinion. If I gave it a lot of thought, it becomes bothersome. Yeah. But I'm doing my best as a
0: fan of the franchise. To limit that deeper thinking to it,
1: I see. I liked, I guess maybe uh, they wanted to take a page out of J.J. Abrams and repeat a new hope for the Force Awakens or or something. I don't know because it, it, yeah, there are a lot of similar plot points that you can compare. But then there's there's also the little things that I appreciated, like they had some close ups of skulls again, you know, from in the first film. There's those vignettes that we talked about on on our first episode. And you see the skulls being crushed by the the tank or whatever it is. So I, I kind of appreciated those small little callbacks. That was that was kind of cool.:
0: Yeah, and we only get that one vignette of uh, grace and her squad facing down all those Rev nines. And, and it's just it's a great step in her development because we see how tough she is, even without the augments. Oh yeah, yeah, when
1: she's not augmented. Yeah. Yeah,
0: we see her and she gets dragged in by the menix like multi- with multiple stab wounds. It's only then when she says I want to be augmented. You know, cuz it's probably the only thing that will save her life. Right. Right. And Grace is just such a
1: to go along with Linda Hamilton. She, Grace is such a badass in this movie. She she does a great job of portraying a strong woman. It's nice to see them include this type of character and and I think uh I think she did uh, great great job the uh, Mackenzie Davis did
0: we can't speak enough though about how good the characters are in this film right and especially I think the work that Arnold put in as this a new edition of the T-800
1: so we've talked a little about uh Hamilton and uh Mackenzie Davis um but yeah the big one you know Arnold Schwarzenegger
0: it's impossible like I said to do a Terminator film without Arnold Schwarzenegger you just can't do it and I know you might have disagreements about that
1: but no, it, not not that I d- disagree, but I don't see the future having an Arnold in it. Yeah, I still haven't decided if it's corny or not, but you know, in preparing for getting ready to try and defeat uh, the the Rev Nine, which we still need to talk about, they're leaving. They're getting ready, and he says goodbye to his family that he's developed, and he says, "This time I won't be back." So I think that's that's kind of just foreshadowing, like, hey. This is my last time I am gonna be in a Terminator film,
0: which would make sense. I think he, this Terminator goes by the name of Carl, yes, which is weird. You give a Terminator a first name, almost like a pet. But his actions throughout the course of the film, I mean, this is clearly a different Terminator than we've seen in the past. Yeah, and I think he was he he headed into this mission, I think,
1: ready to ready to go out. And if if you ignored our spoiler warnings, this is the Terminator that killed john connor
0: yeah and sarah let's just say she doesn't handle that first interaction pretty well right yeah well i who could blame her no i mean she's ready to put a shotgun in his face and pull the trigger
1: yeah we so we don't know what sarah connor has been up to all these years and supposedly she's killing off terminators that are trying to time travel back and uh this arnold or this uh terminator that arnold playing in this film has been sending sarah connor coordinates to destroy those terminators to try and give her purpose
0: and i have to question how he's able to do that because if that t800 is from a now non-existent timeline where skynet doesn't exist how does he know when legion is sending back those terminators just accept it chris i can't (laughs) it's like what you and sean were saying about the first film and who is John Connor's original father, if it's not Kyle Reese, this time around? I have to question, like, how does Carl know when to tell Sarah Connor to go back, lock and load, and sh- kill some Terminators?
1: And I'm going to be you last time. Just accept it. They don't tell you, so just accept it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you're follow- Like
0: I said, if you're following the rules of time travel that are set upon... Within the confines of this movie, that concept makes sense, I guess.
1: The only thing I can think of is that the technology that his machinery contains can detect time travel that's going to happen soon. I don't know how, but that's all I can think of. You yeah. Know.
0: But Arnold was great in it. And then opposite him, we have uh, Gabriel Luna as the Rev-9, easily the most terrifying and deadliest Terminator yes, we've ever
1: seen. absolutely. And I think, you know, it's a simple combination in my mind of taking a T-800 and combining it with a T-1000.
0: Yeah, because the thing with the Rev-9 is it's it has the, the battle chassis, I guess you could call it, and then surrounding it is the liquid metal, and it's right. able to separate into what essentially is two different Terminators.
1: Yes, so a double threat.
0: Yeah, and it's it, to me it brought back a lot of those like slasher film elements that we saw in oh, the first film. definitely. Where at no point does the Rev-9 pick up any sort of human weapon i mean at the beginning of the film we see him like pull out a pistol and he's going to shoot danny but that's really it the rest of the film he's using um, the weapons that protrude from his body and he's cutting people up left and right yeah like there was that scene when he walks into the drone shed and starts like cutting people's throats where i was like oh dang
1: and he's just killing them left and right with all of his knives and sharp weapons that he can form with his his liquid metal
0: well, yeah, and it's it's insane what he's able to do, and th- like I said, this is probably the m- most terrifying of any Terminator in the franchise. The TX in Rise of the Machines is scary for other reasons, and it's it doesn't have anything to do with how she dispatches any of her targets. It's just, yes, she's cold and she's ruthless like any of the other Terminators that come before her, but her... Terrifyingness it really comes from the design of the robot and
1: not so much her actions for her i didn't feel like it was a huge upgrade from the previous terminators but but like we're saying with the rev 9 it's a it's a huge upgrade and i think it's the worst terminator that we've seen in any of the films like like the most dangerous
0: and i've always said one of the strengths of this franchise is the fact that they introduce a new more lethal, much stronger, deadlier Terminator in each film. I think that is something that they, this franchise can hang their hat on. I hope to see something like this in a, in a future film. Maybe not in the very next one, but I mean, we'll see what happens.
1: You know, honestly, if there is a sequel, I could take another Rev 9. There are plenty of uh, points or opportunities where if something didn't go right, he would have succeeded.
0: And I do love how when the Rev 9 is like knocked down, and he's getting back up. It's almost like it almost looks like a reboot system that he is going through. He's slowly rising up from the legs up and then just kind of locks into a position. And like we have said with other actors in the film, Gabriel Luna did a, a fantastic
1: job. Yes. Yeah, he did. You know, very few lines like all the Terminators. But he, man, you look at him in this film and, and you can tell like all the other Terminators, he's on a mission. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And more to your point about this potentially being the last film. With Arnold. I do tend to agree with that a little bit because we're seeing a lot of beloved action hero characters kind of retire off. And I've mentioned before on the podcast, we see Sylvester Stallone now hang up his hat as John Rambo. He's also retired from the Rocky role. I mean, who knows if Bruce Willis has another diehard film in him? We'll see about that, of course. Uh, a lot of the great action heroes from the past are sort of calling it quits. And I think that if this was Arnold's last film in the franchise, this was a good send-off for the character.
1: Oh, definitely. And I, I forget if it was in our, uh, our conversation prior to recording or if you did mention it yet on the episode. But, um, I mean, you said that this, in your opinion, could, could potentially be his best version of the T-800 in, in any of these films.
0: He manages to do a new iteration of the T-800 in every single film he's in. And like I've mentioned before, he, Arnold does not get enough credit for being a more nuanced actor. And this is his best work in the franchise because he develops something of, well, he can't develop a full conscience because he's not a human, but he's able to reflect on the consequences of his actions that he was programmed to carry out. And so now we see him instead of taking human lives and destroying them, he marries a woman, he raises a child with her. He's able to, you know, have a business and a home and a family. And of course, you know, a big ass gun room because he lives in Texas, (laughs) which I did lean over to, you and said like, well, it's Texas. And of course, that's the line in the movie because this is Texas. You called it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And his name is Carl.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What did you think about the visual effects?
1: I liked it overall. Um, Some people might say it's overdone with the CGI you know, like we were saying, there there are very little practical effects in this film. But, you know, as I was watching the film, I was just thinking, this is the original Terminators in modern times, basically. So it's it's like, let's take the Terminator films and add the modern day action that we put into all the films. And, you know, you, of course, you get a bunch of explosions and CGI and planes crashing. And
0: there is isn't a film nowadays that doesn't use some form of computer effects. Right. It just isn't. Right, right.
1: So we don't see many practical effects anymore, which which is kind of a shame because that's that's one of the things that we appreciated with the first two films.
0: Yeah. And it's it would back then it was just the limitations of the technology at the time, which I I 100 percent understand.
1: Right. Well, that's what makes practical effects more appreciative because, you know, you don't have CGI back then. So you have to be creative in, in how you set the scene up and you know, how are we going to do this? You got to really think about it as opposed to but computers. We can just create whatever we want.
0: Well, yeah, and audiences nowadays just expect films like this to be very computer effects heavy. And it's always a welcome surprise when you see practical effects being utilized in a way that enhances the film. And I always hesitate to compare films against each other, but when you look at the work that Christopher Nolan does in his films, by incorporating more practical effects and CGI effects, it goes a long way into limiting an audience's suspension of disbelief. Right. I mean, but with that being said, though, I mean, let's discuss how Terminator Dark Fate is doing right now in the box office. So it already it's already come out in the rest of the world. It was released uh, at this time the week prior to release. So it's already... It's already made about $12.5 million, and it's projected to gross $120 to $125 million during its opening weekend, which isn't bad. It's going to make up most of its $185 million budget. Yeah. But I think this has to gross at least $400 million for it to be considered a success and a sequel is greenlit.
1: Yeah. In my opinion, I, I mean, I hope it does, but I think it's going to be close. Um, we'll see.
0: I think this could be a welcome tonic for people who want to see something that's not a super heavy, emotional Oscar bait film.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. it's. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of emotion in there, but I mean, it's primarily your sci-fi action.
0: Yeah. And it's a solid choice to release a film like this the first weekend of November, because there just aren't action films that come out in November. That's they all true. come out during the summer. And yeah. I, for one, you know, was pleasantly surprised to see the release date, like, Huh? They're going for November because I expected this to be a full-on like June, July release. But I guess they didn't want to try and compete with any of the MCU films, which which is a wise business choice. Yes,
1: that is a wise choice. But you know, it's that's a shame. I mean, now they're. I know we've talked about it on the on the podcast before, but it's just all big blockbusters now. You gotta you gotta spend a big budget, and then you gotta uh, surpass that budget and the money you spent on advertising. And and then that's when you can make a sequel. And and in this case, it's got to make three hundred or four hundred million dollars. And and it, it's questionable if it if that's going to happen. I mean, I hope it does. And this does set up nicely
0: for a sequel with Sarah, and Danny, you know, riding off in the jeep together. La la, the end of the very first Terminator film. But what would you hope to see from a sequel? As you've mentioned, that you don't want the same plot of a Terminator coming back in time to kill Danny.
1: Right. You know, how many times are we going to get that storyline? So, you know, the first one we have somebody coming back to save Sarah, and the second one we have John being saved from a Terminator. Rise of the Machines, you know, John's gotta survive. I haven't seen Genesis, so I can't speak to that. In Genesis, John becomes a Terminator. Yeah. Which is just weird. <laughs> um, the and and I told you this, the the one thing I appreciate about salvation is that it takes place in the future it's not it's not oh let's go back in time and try and kill the savior of the the resistance no this the that one actually takes place in the future which i thought was a great idea but it kind of falls short on on the story and christian bale's acting yeah <laughs> as we've mentioned he overacts in that film <laughs> yeah definitely um you know we come back to dark fate and it's another go back in time save the leader of the resistance how many times are we gonna do this? Well, with Danny
0: and Sarah riding off at the end, I hope to see some type of training film that you know, there isn't a Terminator involved. I mean, and if it, if if somebody does travel back in time, maybe it's you know, another augmented soldier, like maybe a, a a male this time that Danny falls in love with, I don't know. I mean it's hard to shoehorn a love story in, a, in such a action heavy franchise like this. But I would like to see, like I said, a training film and Danny and Sarah are going off on a mission to stop Legion from taking hold. Either they're attacking computer companies or, you know, convincing the engineers to go do something else. But I mean, convincing people like
1: that of, hey, this is the future you're heading down
0: without proof of it. That's super hard.
1: Yeah. You know, something different. Um, like you said, uh, them trying to stop Legion from becoming what it will be which would actually be similar to the second Terminator. The goal was to stop judgment day. So, so now we have this soft reboot where they save the resistance leader. So maybe they can figure out a way to stop Legion. I don't know. Just, just spitball in there.
0: Well, and again, how are you going to do a Terminator film without Arnold? I mean, I hope, uh, returns to maybe a behind the scenes role as a producer dude he's gonna if he's acting he's gonna have to have a
1: cane and a walker he looked great for his age he really did I'm just kidding I know I know <laughs> my point is he's, he's getting there up in there in age and uh and I, I just i can't see the likelihood of him coming back being high
0: i mean i would I would think if it's a great story then maybe he would come back but again like how the t800 is now uh, from a non-existent timeline. I mean, you can't send him back now, right? There, there isn't one to send back.
1: Yeah, well, and and the end of this one, spoilers again. I mean, this this Terminator dies. Yeah, you know? all the
0: Terminators die.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: <laughs> surprise, surprise. The main,
1: th- the main baddie Terminator always gets killed. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm talking about this T eight hundred. Yeah, and actually, a point that I, I, I missed is, you know, if this is Arnold's last film, the ending of this film included his character, his Terminator T-800, uh, he's the last one that finally saves uh, Danny, because they're all down, and the Rev-9's getting back up to kill Danny, and uh, Sarah's yelling at uh, the T-800, get up, get up, get up, and he mm-hmm. finally gets up, and then finally stops it, but in the process... He dies. He dies. So I, I think they did that on purpose, though, because yeah. they, if this is Arnold's last film, they wanted to make him the savior of the film...
0: I personally hope that Mackenzie Davis, that they find a way to bring her back for a sequel or maybe another film down the road.
1: I would like that too. I I agree with you there.
0: She had great chemistry with Natalia Reyes and with Linda Hamilton. And her character, like we said, she was great. Yes. So with all of that in mind, let's rate Terminator Dark Fate. Now, normally on our show, we have a unique rating scale that we like to augment a bit for our bite-sized edition so we 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 retain our wouldn't watch and would watch and also our would own rating but our final rating instead of would hosting a view would host a viewing party we now we change it to would see again in theaters because that's i think that's the ultimate compliment you could pay to a film that's currently in theaters so jeremy on our scale the force-fed sci-fi podcast what do you give to terminator dark fate
1: I would go with would own when it comes out on digital Blu-ray and all that. Um, I think that the acting, superb um, amongst most of them. My only criticism that we didn't get to talk about really, Natalia Reyes, I think she, I'm not sure if she was the greatest person for the role because I think she's kind of forcing it. Or maybe it was the writing, like, like you mentioned, it could have been the writing. Aside from that, acting, phenomenal uh, from all the characters. Like I said, you know, I'm I'm a little tired of this the same storyline. Um, wanna see something new. But great story. The effects were, were awesome. I love the Rev 9. So, what about you?
0: You know, I've I've mentioned before how sentimental I am about the Terminator franchise. You know, some of my best memories are watching Judgment Day with my dad and just having marathons of the Terminator films in general. And for me, I was very, very, very much looking forward to seeing Dark Fate. I thought it was going to be a a great return to the norm of the franchise. And for me, it certainly was. I loved the action in it. Um, It felt very reminiscent of the first Terminator film. And again, I I do agree with you a bit on Natalia Reyes. But when you also have Mackenzie Davis and Linda Hamilton opposite you delivering great performances, how do you try to outshine them? So, I mean, either she got lost in the shuffle amongst other great performers or it's just a a, a script writer's shortcoming. Because I've mentioned before on the show that James Cameron does not know how to write for female characters. Yeah. He just does not know how to do it. And he,
1: well, you said that he did contribute to some of the lines or offered at least some help. I mean, we don't know where he helped, but it's possible.
0: But for me, I would call this a, I would see this again in theaters. I I'd take my dad to go see it again cuz like I said some of my best memories are watching Terminator with him and he was beyond jazz to see this movie but he's been a, he's been kind of laid up the the last couple of weeks cuz he he just had surgery but he's doing better now and he has said like oh I want to see that like okay well, I'll keep that in mind there you go so that that's uh those are our thoughts on Terminator Dark Fate everybody so yeah let's enlist the help of our friendly random number generator AI major Samantha And pick our new movie for next time. Looking at our list of 118 films, she has selected number 40. It is the Japanese anime classic Akira. Please watch with us and enjoy. If you enjoyed today's show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It helps to drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show. We are across the spectrum of social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram all at ForceFed Sci-Fi. You can check out and download episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you find podcasts, and please subscribe so you never miss an episode. Finally, you can check out our website, ForceFedSciFi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. So for all of us at the ForceFed Sci-Fi team, we will see you next time. Force-Fed Sci-Fi is written and hosted by Sean Culp and Chris Rupp. Website design, associate producer, and editing by Jeremy Kesky. Artwork designed by Mike Berger. Theme music composed and performed by Custom Anthem.